0: Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carl Footy Club. It's Rory Sloane here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well and enjoying this and every other episode so far of the 50 most relevant talking through who I think are the most relevant players to have a fantasy footy conversation about in 2022. Today, an interesting player that we're putting up on stilts and having a conversation about. Number 17, one of the big names in the fantasy footy community moving clubs, Tom Mitchell. So we had a big name in the fantasy community move. Got to get a big name to do the podcast. Rids, hello, mate. How are you? Good to have you back on again. Hey,
1: mate, you bring me in for Cogs and now you got me in for Titch, like two in a row, bang, bang.
0: Mate, we've we've got you some big ones there. You made a massive call the other day about where and how people should consider Stephen Cornelio. So this one's an interesting one, Tom Mitchell. We'll run through some of his stats line very, very quickly. But 29 years of age, midfield eligible for us, has been that way for a very long period of time. And while not quite hitting some previous heights, Still some nice scores scattered across the year. A 120 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team was his top score last year against Brisbane. A 142 against Geelong in Coach. Nothing compared to some of those career highs. 2017 and 2018 really gave us that. And in that season of 2018, he had a 195 against the Giants in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. And a 192 against the Blues in Supercoach. Priced as a 96 across the formats. No discounts because he played 21 games last year. And Rids, it's safe to say if you have played any form of fantasy football for more than just the 2022 season, then the myth, the legend, the legacy of scoring that Tom Mitchell has left us gives a lot of reason as to why coaches are looking at him this year at Collingwood and thinking, whew, I'm about to find myself on the gravy train.
1: And, I mean, we've all loved him, haven't we, along the yeah. journey? Like, I mean, Sydney um, fans may not love him as much as others, but that's all right because he left Sydney. But the problem is, like, we got some really, really interesting scenarios to talk through with Tom Mitchell, and we're going to probably delve into that. But everyone, I don't know if anyone's been spoken about more from a fantasy perspective over the last five or six years than Tom Mitchell. Like, I mean, what a guy to talk about like so how about we let you rattle off your stats and do what you need to do <laughs> and get that out of the way and then you can let me unload and I'm not going to provide and I'm going to give a bit of a caveat here I'm actually not going to provide any stats okay for this podcast we've, we've, how many times can we hear the same stats over and over and over again year after year after year we know the guy's a gun we know his royalty. We just know who he is. So there's no need for me to touch base with this. But how about if I go into a little bit more strategic point of view and talk about the benefits of starting him versus upgrading him versus passing on him and so on and so forth. How about if I go a little bit different?
0: Well, I think that's really the conversation we need to have, Rids, for a number of reasons. One, the scoring pedigree of what he's done really since he broke into the AFL system at 2013, but really in those 2017, 2018, and largely to an extent the 2021 seasons at Hawthorne, where he was, if you didn't have him, your season was taken away from you in those years, where he was going at averages in the high, 115 plus, 118 plus. And then in 2018, where across the formats, he's literally a point a game away from going at an incredible average of 130. Uh, But there's been a significant variable change that's undertaken that means while these scoring elements are important for us to look at what he can do and has done and still gave us multiple tons last year, multiple 110-plus scores, even a 140-plus score last year in Supercoach, the variables have changed so much that you can't really lean on that history other than to say he's got the potential. So, and I maybe think that's really important. That's though. where we get stopped. Yeah,
1: I really do. He has the potential to go massive, um, and I think that's what we really worry about half the time when we decide deciding whether we're going to start with someone, whether we're not. Uh, is that fear of missing out? What happens if he does go big? And a lot of times that will drive people to select someone. Because we, we've owned him before, we've enjoyed the experience of owning him. We've watched him do those chip kicks and marks, and like I mean, I've been along the journey along the way as well. So it's like revisiting um, an old girlfriend, you know, for a one-nighter. Like, so we're we're comfortable, we're familiar with it, we we don't mind that experience. So, and when he's a little bit more representative of value of what he potentially could do. And that plays people the other way, you know, and that's why people are going, well, I don't want to be missing this boat for one last time.
0: No, and and that's the thing is people are looking going, he was out of favour in the centre bounces under... Sam Mitchell, um, we started to see him fade out. They wanted to give kids an opportunity as a rebuilding side. He's now come into a team that many still believe should be a premiership contender after just missing out on the grand final by really one shot at goal. He's gone there with the club specifically targeting him with this in mind. We need you to be a clearance and contested ball winner. And we've seen across his career that he is elite at so many portions of that. So that's what's got that FOMO going for us, isn't it, Rids? It's the history, the legacy, the role, the value, the new opportunity. And now we we don't want to go be the guy left standing at the train station watching the Tom Mitchell train sail past.
1: Yeah, but what I'm also seeing out there at the moment, and good that it's happening, and at least we're going to have an honest discussion about this, yeah? So I'm going to throw some positives. I'm going to throw some shade. I'm going to throw some different strategies along the way. But let's be honest now. For some reason, we're still stuck in this world where it's either start or upgrade, start or upgrade. And, I mean, this comes from the limited trade formats for years and years and years. But what we haven't done is we haven't adjusted to the different rules along the way. There's right. more trades now in the limited trades. 36. There's no oh, yep, that has two, three trades a week, use them, lose them. There's boosts now. There's a whole different range of what can possibly happen. So it doesn't have to be start or update, upgrade to. We can actually go, you know what, I am actually don't want to start him. but if i go i've he passes the eye test of the first month of football i'm going to jump on mm-hmm. that's not going to hurt you these days like it would have 10 years ago in no. these limited formats and i think often that's where we get stuck is we don't want to miss out but like it's a bit of a challenge to open your mind and go i can actually get more creative as we go with these different rules there's different strategies to be applied. And I mean, the same thing, though, the other way. Now, people are talking as if Tom Mitchell's going to come out and average 110, 120, whatever, to start the year. Yeah. But what happens if he doesn't? Does that yes. mean you can trade him out too? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, but, but is that that's hard call. Like, how are you going to trade a guy that you picked because he represents value that you think you're going 110 When he doesn't start off as well as he could, you know, might start off at 90s, 95s.
0: Because we all think that he's a sure bet to get what he is priced at. I can't see him bottoming out from what he is now in the mid-90s, no.
1: No, exactly. But the thing is, people are glossing over the real challenges about this call. Like, that pie's midfield, MJ. What a mix that midfield has. We're talking Tay Adams now. I saw crazy being discussed two, three weeks ago, where people were saying that Tay Adams would not be best twenty-two anymore, and because Tom Mitchell's there. Mm. I think, like Tay Adams, is a leader of that club, and he's a known player He's a known commodity. He's the heart and soul of that midfield group to a point. He's not if he's fit. He's not going to play, you know, back pocket VFL. Oh gosh, no, no. And then if you think about it even better, Jordan Degoe came out and had a massive breakout year last year in the midfield, and we've all been waiting for that to happen. And he actually was part of the reason why they nearly made a grand final.
0: He he was exceptional. Crisp evolved from a halfback flanker to a centre-bounce midfielder. Pendlebury was still in the top four as well. What about
1: that other guy? You know, that guy that might have gone pick one, you know, if we did the draft again? Oh,
0: Like oh, Darcy guy, Moore. No, brother, Nick Dacos right? is who we're talking about. That's okay.
1: like his brother became nearly an all-Australian winger. Yeah. Like, there's like, there's just that midfield is depth for days. And then they picked up a guy called Lipinski from the Bulldogs who was integral. Yep. Like,
0: Elliot I even rolled think- through center bounces last year.
1: Well, everyone has. Like, I mean, Elliot, there was a whole range of guys, you know. And the thing is, though, is it an absolute lay-down that Tom Mitchell just comes in and gets 90% C.B. Hayes? I I don't know. Like, Mm. I mean, I just really don't know. And that's the question I'm sort of raising at the moment. So if we're saying that, does he have to go what to be a good pick? That's the, the question.
0: That is the very big question that we got to ask. You mentioned and glossed over without mentioning names at his price point. Some there are a plethora of options for us across the formats. Luke Davies Uniac, Caleb Sorong, Tob Green, and Chad Warner. We've included all of them in the 50 most relevant to date so far. Then you've got Adam Chera, Gian Newcomb, Lockie Whitfield, just to name a few others, all within a few thousand dollars. The reason I mention those is if you choose to start Tom Mitchell over them, maybe it's because you've got more confidence in his role, his scoring, his ceiling. What happens if Tom Green comes out with the 120 over the first three weeks and Tom Mitchell's going at 95? You will find it harder based on name value association, to move off of Tom Mitchell, to jump onto a Tom Green or a Luke Davies UNIAC, even a Lockie Whitfield with the injury narrative and uncertainty of role, then I think you would to go, oh, Mitchell's popped early. My guy that I was hoping in the early 90s or mid 80s to fly isn't than to jump over there. So I wanted to put some names and some skin on some of those thoughts that Rids was yeah. just putting out there because That's the awesome. name value is hard to get off of Tom Mitchell.
1: There's also, let's also be, you can go down another rung. There's guys like Hopper. There's guys like Sheed. Sheed. There's yeah. guys like Warple. Like very there's bad. a whole heap of guys here that actually are very, very potential is decent, and they could actually score more points or if, at least match the point outlet upgrade. So if Mitchell's priced at 95, say in AF, he needs to go at 110, which is 15 points over. But, I mean, if someone like, say, Hopper is priced at, I think it was just over 70, 75, yeah, sure. then he only has to go to 90. To, to get generate to the
0: same money, yes.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I would have thought it'd be a safer bet, you know, with the sheets, with the Hoppers, with the Warples. And, for the
0: money-making side, yes.
1: if that's where you're going to go at. And if there's one extra factor as well along the way. Is Tom Mitchell averaging 100 for the season going to be – is that going to be enough to really get the job done at M8?
0: Well, and that's the thing, because across the formats, you can only ever look to previous seasons as a guide for what is expected of your top-end midfielder. So just purely looking at Dream Team and AFL Fantasy, we'll come to Super Coach in a, in a perspective in a moment. We've only got five guys able uh, or eligible that went 110-plus last year in Dream Team and Fantasy. That's just in the midfield I'm looking at. Um, there is... So what, 17 or 18 guys in the midfield that went 100 plus in Dream Team and Fantasy when you remove DPP out. And by the way, the 10th highest average last year, was a 105-106 sort of range. Now, jumping over to Supercoach, just the way the nature of that game is played, it, it's a higher ceiling level of scoring, but it's an interesting point that Rids is trying to drive home for us subtly and not so subtly all at the same time here. So last year, when we look at the top-end midfielders that we had available to us, uh, there was four that went over that average of 120. There was then... Only 14, I know I say only 14, but only 14 that went 110 plus. And then you're around about 25 pure mids um, that were 100 plus. So let me put it in this context for you. Will Brody has an average of 102.4. He is just just inside the, the top 25 of midfielders. If you want to go to the 10th, that's Andrew Brayshaw at 111. So so the gap does jump across those formats. So the question is, is 100 enough, both from a value point but also from a scoring point? And then lastly, if you choose to take him on, is it going to hurt you to be enough?
1: Exactly right, mate. So 100, from my point of view, I would like all my eight mids scoring at the very least 100 a week.
0: In DT, like in fantasy, paint. absolutely. In
1: all three, actually. Yeah. So even in super Coach, maybe pushing 110 if you could. But, I mean, you can get away with yeah. 100, okay? Yep, just as long as you've got good ones and you make the captain calls right, you could probably sneak away with, you know, with a, pushing it a little bit lower. But, I mean, how I've got a question for you. How much yep. ball does Tom Mitchell need to find on average to be able to get to a 100 average? I It's got to be a lot of ball. Because the way that Collingwood plays, like their game style is not really an accumulation of chip, mark, chip, mark, chip, mark across half-back lines. It's a quick fire. It's moving the ball quick. It's flying down the wings. It's flying through the centre square. You know, do you think about Jack Crisp last year? He would get the ball. He would run. He would just bounce. He would run. He'd drive at 60 metres. There's no inside route. There's no real contested ball, apart from that. So, yeah, that's the part that worries me. And it it should.
0: Um, I haven't done many stats runs for us yet, so let me stats run that clarification or that concern that Rids is kind of break. Last year, Collingwood ranked 13th in the league for clearances. 14th for contested possessions and had just two players ranked inside the top 75 for center clearances. They believe they've got Tom Mitchell there for one specific reason. It's to address the contested possession and the clearance possession concerns that they have. Now, in 2020 and 2021, we saw Tom Mitchell have a nice high CBAs. Um, We dropped down to 53% last year. But here's the thing about Tom Mitchell. Remember, he averaged 96 last year. Last year, he ranked eighth in the entirety of the AFL for contested possessions per game with 13. But he was 34th for uncontested possessions per game. With 16. Just go back to 2021, where he had a, a really strong fantasy season. I'm talking a 115 in Dream Team and Fantasy and 117 in Super Coach. In that season, this is what happened for Tom. And it's very similar to what we saw in the 17 and 18 dominant seasons. In 2021, he ranked 25th for contested possessions, winning 12 per game. But in that season, when he went 115 plus, he ranked First in the AFL for uncontested possessions with 23. Think about Tom Mitchell. What makes him so great as a fantasy player is can he win the inside ball? Yes. But where does his ceiling and volume come from? Uncontested possessions uncontested marks, using the work rate to get second touch from somebody else doing the clearance, the runaround off the back of the mark with the cheeky plus kicks, this cheeky little handballs. In the Collingwood game style, that uncontested possession isn't there. That level of uncontested marks isn't there. Now, I'm not arguing against him being a 110 guy. But people are so in love with this notion of Tom's going to be a 110 guy. He's going to be a 105 guy. And I go, absolutely, he's in his potential. But he needs the uncontested possessions to really spike out more than it did last year. And if these two things hold true, I'm not convinced it will happen. And those two things are, he's there to be the clearance and contested ball support to the midfield. And the Collingwood game style and the mouths that run through there do not want him to get the uncontested footy. Then even getting to a 105, even getting to 100, even with a heavy CBA role, might not be as certain. So we're not saying he won't or he can't or he isn't. Rather, I I just see a lot of the fantasy community, rids running full steam ahead of, he's so highly owned, he's such a good scorer, he's so much inbuilt value potentially, you've just got to get on. But I don't think it's as simplistic as that. No, and that's exactly right. And unfortunately, what happens is, like, we have that
1: groupthink happening with social media these days where everyone just jumps on the same train, and then suddenly someone who may have been less popular becomes super popular mm. because people just, oh, we've got to have him, we got to have him. So the thing with Tom Mitchell, and this is what really, really excites me, is I think he's exactly what Collingwood needs to take yeah. the next step. I agree. But I don't see how a team that's been built in the last 24 months, 12 months with Craig McRae Speed to become – Finalist, um, a preliminary finalist to be focused fully on team to the point where they traded Brody Grundy 100%. so they could have Darcy Cameron as their number one round. And
0: McStay and Hill and Mitchell you know, in, Yeah.
1: I just don't see how they're going to then revert back to have, oh, we're going to become a one man band in the midfield and Tom Mitchell's going to, everything's going to go through Tom Mitchell, you know? And the problem that we have with stats sometimes is they're a little bit misleading. Sure. Like the centre bounce attendances last year, I saw Tom Mitchell quite a few times starting out on a wing, on a half forward flank, and then rolling and
0: then pushing the in.
1: Shoulder. Yeah. Like so, it's not necessarily that he was missing centre bounce um, attendances.
0: field minutes, anyway. Yes. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is why his um, average was lower than what it has in previous years. So. I just sometimes we go through rose colored glasses um, and we look at things cause we've had that experience like, and we love it. Like, and I mean, who who doesn't? like he's,
0: he's been so good to us for so long. I, I think the, the point we're trying to really bring around Tom Mitchell, again, the 50 most relevant is all about having a conversation, looking at all the nuanced elements, trying to provide you with a, a balanced perspective, and then giving you the information you need to make a decision. Where I'm kind of landing on it, Rids, is this. He's got some high-ish ownership at time of recording, in AFL Fantasy, so he's in the top 10. Um, In Dream Team, 36%. He's in the top 20 most owned. In Supercoach, 27% ownership. He's inside the top 30. Here's the thing. I don't, with ease, see that he must be selected in my starting squad for two reasons. One, I see the narrative of him getting to the point where it will burn and hurt to go against him early. A harder thread than he'll be very good To good, but I think I can match that score somewhere else. And then the thing that puts me here is this idea of every single year, and you brought this up right towards the start of this podcast episode every single year, the first handful of trades we make are correctional. And I would find it easier to trade into a Tom Mitchell, should he pop the 115s and 120s over the first couple of weeks and jump off my other breakout premium that I'm hoping or lower value premium or stepping stone, I'd happily use a trade or two and then secure him Because I don't think I could trade off, Tom, because the FOMO would continue. The reason that you're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, would still hold true anyway. Mm -hmm. And you could get this guy at 95 and he still scores 95 of the year. And the worst player to have in fantasy all year is a guy that's going not well enough or not good enough. He's in between where you can't trade him because he's not that priority, but he's not good enough that you want to keep him in your side. And and there is a world where Tom Mitchell can be in the middle where he stays with what he is. It won't hurt you, but it won't help you. And that's why and for that me, I'm odd. happy to look to him as a early jump in if I need it.
1: I just want to emphasize another thing as well. And I'm a little bit of an old, grumpy old man at times and everything else, but The reality is the expert on Twitter who talked you into Tom Mitchell being must-have and everything else, I guarantee you they're the first person blasting Tom Mitchell for a sub-100 score in round one, you know? And then suddenly it's like, well, just wait a sec. Own your decision and, you know, and back it in. Like, you made calls. Go and do it. But, again, it's more about the individual coach on this one. You might just hate watching a game of football where you don't have Tom Mitchell in your team. Sure. And that's fine. That's a hundred percent fine. All we're doing is we're trying to balance the conversation that, totally. you know, what do we do if the if something bad does happen? Like yep. and I mean that's a trade that you don't get back. And no. that's a trade that you really gotta work through. Like, so I just I think there's a lot of the dynamics about this and I think a lot of it's going to come down to how the individual coach feels about owning and not owning and how they feel about watching games. And seeing how it goes.
0: And how they like to play and trade the games too. There are some people that will be a little more traditionalistic in the way they play, even Dream Team and Supercoach Rids that go, no, I'm having him for the year. Okay, others won't want to make the Tom Green LDU trade to Tom Mitchell because they feel they're behind. Sure, but again, just a handful of seasons ago in limited trade formats, you were completing your teams with 20 to 24 trades you are now nearly double that. So the game is evolving and changing. Even for AFL fantasy coaches, the way you play the game is evolving and changing every year. Before we get one final thought from Rids and get his draft uh, take, here is the opening six weeks for Collingwood. Geelong, Port Adelaide, Richmond, Brisbane, St. Kilda, and then Anzac Day, Essendon. Those first two weeks especially are not the easiest of teams to play against from a fantasy footy scoring perspective. And so rightly or wrongly, people, should he go 95, might jump off and then he flies out. He's also likely to fly against them and are uh, people are going to jump on. It, either way, Rids, that's what this series does. It helps us see where a player's relevancy is. Correct. And it's he's gonna be relevant. There's no, no question. question. He's in the top thirty across formats. No what ownership. Happens, he has to be.
1: He is relevant. He's relevant all day. The outcome is going to determine what relevancy is. Yeah. So whether he pops and he goes flying and he gets people off to a flyer and people then have to use a trade to bring him in. Or if he goes, Okay, we don't does he tread water where he is now, yeah. You know. But at oh. the end of the day. He's relevant. There's no question about it.
0: Where he goes on drafts is really fascinating to me. I think the dream is he becomes the M1. I don't think he can get back up to that space. Um, Someone will reach for him at an M2 for some legacy reasons. Coaches will dream and hope that he slides to an M4. Um, But for me... I've got him at an M3 point, which means just outside a very high end M3, which means I'm probably am going to miss him across a few formats. Um, Some, because like I said, if you want him, you'll need to get him at the M2 spot because someone will be bullish on the expectation and hope of what he could be. Um, If you're hoping for the M4, it won't happen. M3, I think is the sweet spot where you'd love to get him. But I just don't know if if you'll get him consistently in draft. So where I've got him ranked, I'm, I'm not so sure everybody else will. Uh, we did have to let Rids go. We had to disappear early. Um, but that's okay. We thank him for his great work on this podcast. If you want to go back and read any more other articles of the players in the 50 most relevant, all the links are online for you now at coachespanel.tv. I've done a bunch of deep diving on the stats. Uh, around Collingwood, around Tom, and how this might all work. You can go and read that through. Didn't touch on it too much in the podcast, just gave you little nuggets of it. It's online now for you at coachespanel.tv. Tomorrow, we hit the number 16 in the 50 most relevant, and in 30 seconds, I'll give you a quick clue about who it might be. But if you are loving this series, we'd encourage you, leave a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to this podcast, whether it be on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anyone else, leave a five-star rating and review. Make sure you're following us across that podcast platform you choose to listen to, and you can become a financial supporter of the Coaches Panel for just a few dollars a month It helps us do what we do, but also we'll kick you some exclusive content, a bunch of different podcasts, hidden groups, and more for just a few dollars a month. You can get that. The links for that, you can find them at coachespanel.tv. Number 16 tomorrow in the 50 most relevant. What do I say about this guy? There was a point in time last year where people wanted nothing to do with him. And then there was also a point of time last year where people wished there was a world they could get into him. And for those that did have him during that period of time, it was one of the greatest selection moves of 2022. The good news is everything is trending towards him, being one of the top options in his line and beautifully for us coming in at some value. But what's happening around him hasn't been considered as much. We'll look at this player in the 50 most relevant tomorrow.